But let me ask you if you would to open your Bible to the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. I'm speaking this morning on the subject, God is in control. And I want to be up front. This is one of those days I wish we only had one service. I really mean that. Because what I'm sharing today is so from the depths of my heart, and some of it is very personal, that it's, it's a draining thing. I, I, I feel good about it, but I'm a, I felt like when I left at the end of that first service, I thought, man, I've got to go back out there and do that again. So I have asked God to just give me a fresh anointing and, and a freshness about what I'm going to share because I'm going to be looking with you this morning at what I believe is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, verse in all the Bible for Christians, especially when they're going through things they do not understand, going through hard things, tough things. And some of you are going through those kind of things even right now. Some watching, you likewise. And others, maybe now everything is going great. But you look back on your life and say, well, I've had some of those times. And be assured of this, if Jesus tarries, all of us, will have things come into our life that we wish had not come into our life. And this verse, I'm saying to you, it is the greatest verse of help in those times for a Christian. Paul wrote this book. We call it the book of Romans. It was a letter to the Christians in Rome. Christianity had only been in Rome about 25 years that had no apostolic teaching. Paul had not yet been to Rome, but he knew people that were in Rome and he wanted to write them to teach them deeper doctrine so they'd be stronger in their faith. And let me add how we need that in our day and time. How we need that in our day and time. Every church it's so sad to me to see the shallowness. We've moved from doctrine of God's Word to what feels good and what we like. And the Apostle Paul had that feeling, look, I want those new believers to have a grounding in doctrine. So he wrote this book of Romans. It's, a, it's, it's, it's just a fantastic letter he wrote. But in this book, there is this verse. Having said that, it's also one of the most misused verses in the Bible. I've heard so many things will happen and people say, well, you know, God just did it. Well, if they're not grounded and something bad comes and one of us comes along and just says, well, you know, that was just the will of God. We're going to deal with that this morning. That could be, that could be a very damaging, damaging thing. So we want to see the, the whole picture of what God says and, and see how we can experience it. Now, I am assuming, which is always dangerous, but I'm assuming we would all be in agreement that God is in control. God is sovereign. And yet so many things happen and we're, we're, we don't quite can't quite figure it out. The fact of the matter is over 100 verses in the Bible teach us that God is in control. In Psalm 115, you may just want to jot the verse down and read it later, but in Psalm 115 verse 3, uh, the psalmist said, our God is in the heavens 
And he does whatever he pleases to do. That's a great verse. In Psalm 135, in verse 6, the Bible says, you know, whatever the Lord pleases, he does. And then let me give you one other verse that really is a great verse to help us. It's in the book of Isaiah, and it's in chapter it's in chapter 14, and if I remember correct, it's about verse 24. It, it says, whatever God plans, so it shall stand. That is a great, great verse. But the point is this, God is in control. God is sovereign. It may not always look that way. We don't always understand things, but the fact of the matter is God is God, and God is in control. And what happens, happens either by his will or by his permissive will. In other words, he allows it to happen. He doesn't necessarily make the thing itself happen, but he could stop it. If God's in control, he could stop anything. He could prevent anything. So we have the perfect will of God, and then we have the permissive will of God. Now, in seminary, that is called the problem of evil and suffering. In other words, why do bad things happen to good people? And seminary will have an entire semester dealing with this matter. But you and I don't live in seminary. We live out here in real life. And out in real life, things happen. And we, we say, well, what's going on here? Did God cause that to happen? Well, I don't know. Or did God permit that to happen? Well, it's one or the other because he's in control. Now, if, if you think that through, it raises some honest questions. It really does. For example, let's get out of the seminary classroom and get into the real world. The coronavirus. Was that the will of God? Is that the will of God? Did God decide, it's my will, I'm going to have the coronavirus just go all over the world? Is that what God did or or not? Well, people have a lot of opinions about that, but the fact of the matter is the answer to the question is, we don't know that. We really don't know the answer to that question, but here's what we do know. If it is not God's will, then God did permit it. Or if he's in control and he's sovereign, I mean, nothing can happen that either he did not will or he did not permit. So maybe it's the permissive will of God. Another good question. It's kind of an old question, but even recently I heard this question asked. Was it God's will that the planes on 9-11 fly into the Twin Towers in New York? Was that God's will? I heard a very learned theologian say not long ago that was God's judgment on something America had done. Well, that's his opinion on that. I don't believe that. But I will have to say this. It certainly was in God's permissive will. You say, well, now if God's in control and God's sovereign, how does this deal work out? Well, go back to the Garden of Eden and Adam. Was it God's will that Adam disobey? God told Adam and Eve, do not eat from the forbidden fruit. You can eat from all this other fruit. Don't eat from that fruit. But what did God do? Well, in God's sovereignty, he gave to man 
the ability to make choices. Like, we're not, mankind is not a puppet. God off up in heaven, you know, pulling the strings, and we just kind of do as God put. No, God created man and gave man in his sovereignty this ability to make choices. And of course, Adam and Eve, they made a bad choice. And we still suffer from their bad choice, spiritually and physically. But be that as it may, it's not like God lost control. No, he gave that authority to the human race. You know, it's a real life. It's a real issue. Like, you know, did, did, was it God's will that Dottie have lymphoma? That's a, that's a fair question. You know, in that first hospital stay, when they were hooked her all up and putting all this chemo in her, and during the dark of the night, I'd just be sitting there looking at that, and I, in my mind, I'd ask the question, it, was it, is it God's will that, that my wife go through this? Well, uh, I, I don't know the answer to that. But I do know this, and I've learned this. What I don't know, grab hold of what you do know. Could I have an amen to that? You know, never doubt in the dark what you believed in the light. But I have to say, if it, maybe it was God's will, maybe it is God's will, but it certainly is God's permissive will. And we've seen things where we believe that might, we know God permitted her, she wouldn't have it. Uh, it'd be, it, so you, you take the things I'm sharing and, you, you apply it to things maybe that you may be going through. Say, well, is this God's will? Well, we, you know, we'll have to be in heaven to know the sure answer on a lot of things that we ask. But we know this here on earth. It's certainly in God's permissive will because God is sovereign. God is controlled. Now, with that little uh, get started, I want you to look at me in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, because this verse is a blessed verse. It teaches us... <laughs> how to respond when things come into our life, whether they be the will of God or the permissive will of God, the perfect will of God, the permissive will of God, how do we respond so that it works out for good? That's what this verse is all about. Romans chapter number eight, look at it in verse number 28. Paul said in his letter, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Now, I want us to look at that verse. That is a Bible promise. It's a conditional Bible promise. First of all, it tells us what we have, and then it tells us the condition to receive it. So let's look at it very quickly. The words we know show the certainty of this Bible promise. Paul said, we know. Now, it's very, very interesting. This word that he used that's translated into English as no, uh, is, is the word oida. It would, you would write it out, O-I-D-A, but it would be pronounced oida. And here's what it means. It means fullness of knowledge. What Paul's saying is, by using that word, what follows, what follows is a done deal. Fullness of knowledge. It is what it is. You can go to the bank with it. Now, sometimes I understand best 
one thing by contrasting it with another thing. So let me ask you to do this. Turn with me in the book of Philippians. In the book of Philippians, in chapter number 3. In Philippians chapter number 3, the Apostle Paul, writing this letter, really states his purpose in life. That'd be a good sermon. What is your purpose in life? Like, what is my purpose in life? At this time in your life, what is your purpose? Well, Paul states it very clearly here in verse number, uh, in number 10. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. And here's what he says. That I may know, here's the word again. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. But look at the first part of that verse. That I may know. Now, this word, translated English as no, is, is a very, very different, very different word. It, it would be uh, gnosko. And what it means, gnosko means progress in knowledge. What Paul is saying is, I want to progress in my knowledge of God that I may know him and I want to progress in his power, his resurrection power. In fact, if you look back in verse in chapter number one, in verse number six, he, he's already laid the foundation for that. In, in Philippians chapter one, verse six, he says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in me will complete it on the day of Jesus Christ. What Paul's saying is the good work that God began in him was his salvation, like when you were saved. He's talking about that. And then the end out here is when the Lord either comes for him or he calls him to be with himself. But this journey is a journey of progress. And so when you come over here in chapter 3 and you read what he says, that I may know, that I may progress in my knowledge. But in our text this morning, what Paul is saying is, I know. Here is the fullness of knowledge. Here's the whole ball of wax. Here's what, here's what can happen in your life. And then we see not only the certainty of this promise, but in the next words, if you look at them, the words, all things show the broadness of this promise. All things. What would that be? Well, it means good things and bad things. Things we understand, things we do not understand. That covers it. The broadness of it. All, A-L-L. It's a little word, but it covers the whole gamut. And so we see the certainty of this promise. We see, we see the broadness of this promise. And now look with me at the process. The words work together show the process. Look at it again. We know certainly that all things, the broadness, good and bad, work together. Now that is the process. So we're in life and things come. Many times they're good things. Sometimes they're not good things. Sometimes they're things we say, I wish it had never happened. You've all been there. We've all been there. You may be there now. Okay? So we'd put it over in the negative column. And then maybe here's another thing that comes along. We say, oh my, I wish, I wish that hadn't happened either. Well, let's put that in the negative column. But everything in your life's not in the negative column. There are some things over here in the positive column. And what he's saying is, all these things over here, they may not look good over here, but see, God sees the whole picture, and so 
the good things, and then these things we call the bad things, they're like cogs in a wheel. They're going to work together, and that's how it works. I was thinking, what would be a good illustration of that? And I think I have one. You may not, you may not understand. I, I, really, I really am a halfway decent cook. I can see right now you didn't understand that. Well, by that, well, I mean this morning. I mean, this morning, uh, I boiled some eggs and uh, ate a rice cake and uh, had an avocado. You know, these are high-tech things to cook. But at Thanksgiving, <laughs> listen, seriously, this is, now, this is true. I wouldn't, at Thanksgiving, I, you've heard me tell this before, but I make the Thanksgiving dressing. Been doing it for years. And I've worked on the recipe. I'll be honest, it's, it's, it's absolutely perfection. It's just, it's just, it's just one. And Dottie knows, she, 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 she just knows that's the one thing I'm going to do. And, and of course, the way I do it, I lay out all my stuff, all my ingredients, like the, like the salt and the pepper and the raw eggs and the onions and the chicken broth. You say, well, what else? Well, I'm not going to tell you all my recipe. That's it. So, if, you know, you can see me later with a good gift of the church and I'll give you the whole recipe. All right. But think with me. Here, here's my, here's our, here's our island, work island in our kitchen. I have the salt, and I have the pepper, and I have the onions, and I have the raw eggs, and I have the chicken broth, and then the things I'm not going to mention. All right, now look. If I just ate one of those ingredients alone, it would be bad. The raw eggs. I, w- I don't want raw eggs. Pepper, salt, chicken broth. Who would want to drink a good cup of chicken broth for breakfast? I don't want to, you know, but here's the deal. When you put all that stuff together, that's the process. And you get it all mixed up and add the other things that go with it, it, it turns out to be really good. Now, that's the same idea here. There are going to be in life some raw eggs and they're going to, there's going to be some chicken broth and there's going to be some pepper and salt and onions and none of those things, you know, none of those things alone. I mean, I'm just going to go around just eating onions. I might eat an onion with some. But then you have these other things and so that's how life is. Things happen. You know, I think like through the lymphoma, while we've met people that have blessed us that we had never even known existed. I think through all we've been through and the many different people we've been surrounded through all of this, and like, I, I, I think we've encouraged some people. Uh, I mean, they're just, Dottie's made this statement. She said, you know, I've learned things about God that if I had to have lymphoma to learn these things about God, I'm glad I had lymphoma. And that's not just my wife trying to be spiritual. That's a true statement. We, as bad as that deal is and has been, it would be for anybody. The truth of the matter is, the process, we've seen good come from that. Now, I'm just sharing something personal from our family, but look, don't, don't camp out with me and my family. Many of you can say, hey, what, I, I, I can relate to that. Others of you 
Maybe you, maybe you say, well, I just, you know, I see other families go through these things, but, but we've not had that experience. Well, just if Jesus tarries, because Jesus said in this world, you will have tribulations. That's part of this fallen world we live. But here's the good news. You can know something. The fullness of knowledge that all things, the broadness, no matter what column they're in, they are going to process. Is going. They're going to work together. And what's going to come from it is good. All things work together for good. Like out there at the end. Now the end may be heaven. <laughs> That's a good end. That's a good end. However it goes, it ends well in heaven. But there's a condition to this promise. And this is why I'm glad you are listening this morning. I want to show you something I predict many have never seen. I was a long time in ever seeing this. Look at the verse. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Now watch it. Look in your Bible. That word love is spelled L-O-V-E. It is not spelled L-O-V-E-D. L-O-V-E-D is past tense. See, many Christians say, I love God. Well, according to Jesus, they don't. They may have loved God, but they're not living now loving God. You say, how do you figure that? I don't figure it. I listen to what Jesus said. Remember the words of Jesus? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So what I'm saying this morning <laughs> We fit in here where the condition is, if you have in your life a bad attitude, unforgiving spirit, any of the works of the flesh, unconfessed sin, at this moment, you've not lost your salvation, but you're not living in the present loving God. You may have loved God. And the fact of the matter is, all of us, if we will be honest, and honest is painful, would have to say, you know, sometimes I just don't trust God with certain things. My, you know, I, or I judge people, or I talk about people. I mean, the list is just it. Well, when we do that, we're not keeping Jesus' commandments. And listen, we're not going to experience the blessing of one of the greatest promises in the Bible. The bottom line, and it's the hardest thing in the world to do, even for Christians, is just to trust God. Like I, I learned that verse as a seven-year-old. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. I learned that verse as a seven-year-old. <laughs> I'm a long way from seven years old. And I say this to you. I sometimes have a hard time doing that. I do. And sometimes you do. We're Christians. But then this whole deal, something happens. We can't fix it. So what in the world are we going to do? We're going to trust God. I'll tell you, Tuesday week, I'll, I'll, I'll have a test right here on this about trusting God. Tuesday week, Dottie goes back to MD Anderson. She'll be there Tuesday and go back Wednesday and things. 
Okay, you can't get in MD Anderson. I can't. She can. She's the patient. I'm not the patient. So they no longer let anybody go in. I understand. But I've never, she's never been through all that, and I've not been right there. You know, not, not that maybe she needed me. I just needed myself to be there. Well, here's the deal. I'm going to get her to the front door, and that's just as far as I can go. I can't even go sit in the place and wait. I just have to go somewhere. Now, I'm saying this. I'll, I'll really get to it. The human of me will have a real hard time with that deal. I mean, just watch her walk away in that maze. All right? And I'll, 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 I'll get it together out there some sort of way. But then it, there'll be a point in that where I'm going to do what I'm preaching this morning. I'm going to say, God, I'm just going to trust you that there's going to be some people to help her, to get her where she needs to go, encourage her, whatever it might be. See, this is where life is really lived. Could I have an amen? It's easy to come down here at church and just, oh, we just all trust God. Well, we do trust God. But when we get out in the realness of life and stuff happens to say, you know what? I don't know if this is the perfect will of God. If it's not, it's the permissive will of God. But if I will respond appropriately and just trust God, what he will do is what this verse says. We know that all things work together for good. See, in the end, Romans 8.28 always wins if we will live loving God in the present. Now, some of you this day, first Christian people, in the room and watching, maybe, maybe today what you need to do is say, you know what? <clears throat> I am going through an issue. I am dealing with some things. And what I need to do is what this verse says, meet the condition. I'm just going to love God in the present. How are you going to do that? You're going to trust God with whatever it is that thing is. And you say, you know what? That's what I need to do. Well, in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray about that. Others today, you, you, you can't, this verse won't work for you until you first become a believer. And so if you're in the room or if you're watching and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, you've never said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to receive his righteousness for my unworthiness. I'm going to repent of my sins. I'm going to ask Jesus to come into my heart. I'm going to be infilled and indwelt with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be washed by the blood of Jesus, and I'm going to be covered in his righteousness. I'm saying to you, you can do that this day. It'll be the greatest thing you ever did, and that's where you start. So I want you to bow with me. Our heads bowed and hearts open to the Lord. For those this morning that are Christians that say, you know, I, I want to experience this verse. I don't just hear the preacher preach about it. I want, to, I want to understand I have full knowledge that all things work together to process for good if I'll just love God. And the way I love Him, I obey Him. And this morning, for you, Christian friend, that obeying Him is to trust Him with whatever it is that's over in that negative column. Now, while some are praying that, probably many, others in the room and watching, you've, you're not sure you're saved. 
you're not sure. I mean, you, you, you couldn't say 100%, I know when I die, I'm going to heaven. I have total peace about that. Good news, <laughs> you can. Here's what you do. This morning, just say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I, I accept your righteousness, and I turn into you, God, my unworthiness. I ask you to come into my heart. Fill me with your spirit. Wash me with your blood. Cover me with your righteousness. I trust you, God, for my eternity. And I pray this prayer in your precious name. Amen.